Yes, we had a lot of fun at VBS this week, and I want to say special thanks to everyone who participated, who came to it, as well as the many of you who served in it. Thank you so much, and I especially want to thank those of you who served and were flexible as we had to make changes between the various nights. Thank you so much for faithfully serving. Well, as you heard when we watched the first video about VBS, and as we read, you heard people chuckling as we were reading the scripture because one of the verses was our theme verse from VBS, Ephesians 2.10, which speaks about how God's people are his workmanship, how we're created for good works. And since I was hearing that verse all week, it reminded me how important it is that we define what we mean by good works and the role that they have in true biblical Christianity. What is the role of good works, what we do? If you ask someone what they think religion is about, someone will probably tell you, oh, religion, it's about doing good things because then that leads to some type of eternity. It's about doing good works. If somebody's religious, they do good things for others. But is that what the Christian faith is about? Is that what the Bible says that work is about? Does the Bible say that we do some good works and we also do some bad ones and then they balance out at the end, we see which one comes out on top? Well, the Bible actually doesn't tell us that. Instead, the Bible tells us that we have a problem and that problem is sin. We've made a choice to disobey God, to rebel against His character and His rule. In fact, we've rejected his kingship, his lordship over us and over the whole world, and that sin earns God's judgment. We're actually God's enemies. We are opposed to him, and we deserve everything that God's enemies deserve. But there's a solution to this problem. The solution is we can be saved from that judgment. We can be saved from sin. How? How can we be saved? How can we get out of sin? How can we get away from God's judgment? And what role do good works play in that? Well, today we're going to look at the passage, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, and we're going to discover that we are saved by God's grace through faith. And we're not saved by our work, but we are saved for good works. That's where we're going. So if you're not already there, I encourage you to turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. You can use the Bible with you, your phone. There's a Bible in the seat back in front of you. We'll also put it up on the screen. Normally, I read from, preach from the English Standard Version, but since the version that they were using with VBS this week was the Christian Standard Bible, and I didn't want to confuse anyone, I decided to uh, use that passage today for our reading. So once you are there, I'd ask you, if you would, to please stand to honor the reading of God's Word, if you are able, and then we will read our passage for today. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the joy many of us had with VBS this week and 
Thank you, those of us who weren't there, we're still able to participate together as a church family. God, I pray that as we look at your word, you would help us to see the truth that is there. And that truth is that we are saved by grace through faith. That we're saved because of what you have done for us. And that it's not that we're saved by our works. We're not saved but by what we do, but we're saved by your grace. Help us to understand that, but also teach us, God, that you didn't save us just so we could sit back, but instead you've saved us for good works. You've saved us for a purpose. And that purpose is to show you more and more. So help us to see you clearly, to see the work of your Son. May he be the one we reflect on today. May he increase, may I and everything else decrease. It's in his name, the name of Jesus, that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's take a moment to very briefly talk about where we are in the Bible. So this passage we've read is from the New Testament letter or epistle or book of Ephesians. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to Christians, followers of Christ, in a city called Ephesus. And in this letter to them, he's emphasizing unity, that they're united in Jesus Christ. He's emphasizing that they have new life because they are believers in Jesus. At the part that we're looking at, which is chapter 2, he begins by talking about how every Christian has a common history. At one time, they were dead to their sins. But then he turns to the joyous news that Christ makes us alive. He saves us. And that brings us to our passage, verses 8 through 10. And in many ways, these verses are the essence of true Christianity against all other religions. Because other faiths are based on what you do, what you do to earn your way to God, to earn your way to some type of eternal bliss or perhaps a better life in the future. But on the other hand, the Bible tells us that we are saved by God's grace through faith. We're saved by God's grace through faith. If you have the outline that was out there, that's your first blank, grace. Every blessing that Paul discusses in the book of Ephesians, that he tells the believers, you have this, you have this, he's telling us here, though, it comes from God's grace. As he says in verse 8, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's grace gift. Salvation comes by grace, God's unmerited, unearned favor. We can't earn this salvation from God. We can't earn His pleasure. It's something He freely gives to us. He gives this grace, this salvation. And what do we do? Well, the passage says we respond through faith, through faith. We respond to that grace with faith. Faith is our action. It's not a work, but it's a result of God's grace. He's given us something, and we humbly trust in Him. One Scottish believer named Horatius Bonar, he put it this way, faith is not work, nor merit, nor effort. It's actually the cessation, the stopping from all these, and the acceptance in place of them what another has done completely and forever. It's I stop working and I accept, no, Christ has done the work for me. That salvation is from God's grace. We cannot work for it. We cannot earn it. All of it is a gift. 
It's not a transaction. God says, I have grace here if you show a little faith. No, he gives grace and we respond by trusting in that grace, that salvation. It's all a gift of God. He brings it about. We see this again and again in Scripture. One example is in the book of Acts. It speaks about this as Paul was sharing the gospel with Gentiles, with those who were not from a Jewish background, but he was telling them the good news. And the passage says, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. And we're told that as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, as many as God gave grace to, they responded, they said, yes, we believe and trust in Christ. God's grace made them a new creation. They were no longer his enemy. It's a decision God made to give that grace. We need him to save us through Christ. Our role is to receive that salvation. I happened to read an article this week talking about it by a man named Joe Beakey. He put it this way, we're justified. That means we're made right with God, not merely by faith, just faith as a a nebulous thing, but no, by faith in Christ. Not because of what faith is, but because of what faith lays hold of and receives. The key is not, I have faith. No, it's I have faith in Jesus. He is the one I am trusting in and relying on. We're not building our own salvation. Look at my wonderful faith. No, we're beholding something, really someone else, and saying, wow, look at him. Look at what he has done for us. So true faith is is not so much just us expressing a belief in Christ. It's us receiving God's grace, what he has done for us. I saw a really good quote from the Protestant reformer John Calvin about this. He said, we can compare faith to a kind of empty vessel, an empty cup. For unless we come empty and with the mouth of our souls open to seek Christ's grace, then we are not capable of receiving Christ. And I love that image of faith as just kind of this empty cup that we come to God with, that he pours his grace into. So how does this relate to works? Is what we're talking about? We were created for good works? Well, it means we don't serve to earn favor with God. We, we can't fill that cup. We can't restore our broken relationship. The only solution is Christ. And that's what he did. He came to earth. He lived this perfect life. He died on the cross, rose again so that he could give us God's grace. And that means our faith is receiving it. So faith is not so much a ladder to God. It's not even really a bridge we cross to God. It's a gift that we receive. It's not something we do. It's trusting in something, in someone that has done something on our behalf. And so I hope I've emphasized enough that if salvation is from God's grace, it definitely doesn't come from us. And Paul makes that clear in the passage. He says we are not saved by works. We are not saved by works. The things we do do not earn that salvation. Our salvation is not from ourselves. It's not from what we do. If you look at our passage again, it talks about how we're saved by grace through faith, but he says it's not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Friends, your best moral effort, your All the religious activity you could possibly do cannot make your way to God. It cannot earn you your salvation. 
That is what every other religious faith tells you. If you do this and this, then God will be happy, or then your life will be better, then this will work out for you. But biblical Christianity, true Christian faith, is not about what we do. It's about what Christ has done. So we get no credit for it. We cannot boast about it. The only one who gets credit for it is God. That's why we spend the first half of our time together each Sunday praising Him, thanking Him for what He has done, because He's the one who gets the credit. One pastor who passed recently, John Stott, said, heaven will be filled with the exploits of Christ and the praises of God. We won't get to heaven and talk about, wow, you lived really great. You did that really cool thing that one time. That's not going to be our focus. It's going to be, wow, what has God done for us? And that means that if you know Christ, if you have been saved, it's not because you're smarter than other people and you're like, I figured it out. I figured out if I do this, this, then I get to heaven. Awesome. No, no, it's not because you're smarter. It's not because you're better looking and God was like, ooh, I want that person to be in heaven. It's not because you're more gifted. God was like, oh, I can do a lot with this person. That's why I saved them. No, no, it is all God's work. He shows astonishing grace. Again, Joe Beakey says, faith, this is true Christian faith, abandons all self-merit. We abandon thinking of ourselves as great, and we're instead increasingly alert, increasingly drawn more and more to Christ and His merits. really like the worship team sang a really great song about this, talked about uh, a little less of me, a little more like Jesus. If we've experienced true salvation, we look less at ourselves. We look more at Christ. We'll be drawn to him. We'll want others to know him as well. Our desire will be that we want God to be the only one who's exalted. We, we only want him to get praise. We don't want credit. We want him to get all glory, all boasting. Paul writes about this at another place in the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, because of him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. He became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification. He makes us holy, redemption. He buys us out of sin. He does all of this. Why does he do it? So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God gets the credit. And again, in case you're missing the point, let me be abundantly clear. Any good that we have, any salvation we have, is only thanks to what Christ has done for us. He has to do the work. Let, let me try to think of another way to I explain it. What we're really desiring here is we want to be a part of God's family. We want to know God, have a relationship with Him. So think about that idea of being a part of a family. How do you become a part of a family? Well, there's two ways that that can happen. The first way you can become a part of a family is if you're born into it. You're born to a mom, dad, hey, you're in a family right now. The second way you become a part of a family I mean, like as a child, is if you're adopted into a family. A parent, a guardian chooses to adopt you and bring you in. Those are the only ways that we can get into a family. We're either born into it or adopted into it. And I have some bad news for us when it comes to God. Scripture says we're born into sin. We aren't, we aren't born into God's family. We're born separated from God, which means we need Him to adopt us and bring us in. Paul wrote about this earlier 
in Ephesians. He speaks about that problem, but also the solution. If we, you can flip back in the page or you can look up in the screen, Ephesians 2, 3 through 5 says that we were among those who lived in the passions of our flesh. We carried out the desires, the body and mind. We lived for ourselves. And what did that make us? We were by nature, we were born as children of wrath, as enemies of God, like the rest of mankind. We were cut off from our Lord. But, verse 4 tells us, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And in case you didn't get the point, he says it again, by grace you have been saved. Friend, if you're here today or perhaps you're watching and you do not know Jesus, this idea of a relationship with him or being a part of his family sounds like a foreign concept to you, I have to warn you, you're the only hope you have to escape God's judgment, his just action against his enemies, the only hope you have is to know Jesus. But the good news is he can adopt you. He can bring you in to his eternal heavenly kingdom. He can make you a part of his family. Friends, this is an issue of first importance. This is something, if you haven't, you need to think about it. need to ask others about, how how does this happen? How can this happen for me? I encourage you to talk to me or or talk to someone around you, someone who maybe brought you here or, or sent you the link to our sermon or whatever it is. How can I know Jesus. And they can share with you about how you can turn from sin and believe, trust in him, commit your life to him. I pray that you'll have those conversations because you are not saved by your works or what you do. But then that that begs the question, we're, we're talking about good works. Does that mean that the Christian faith is it doesn't matter what you do at all? Pastor, are you saying that your works are worthless? And I would say, if you're talking about to save us, then yes, yes, our, our works have no bearing on whether or not we, we know God or are with Him in eternity. But that's not the end of the story, because we're not saved by our works, what we do, but we are saved for good works. We are saved for good works. So if you're here, and I imagine many of you would claim, yes, I know Jesus, I have a relationship with Him, Let me ask why. Why has he saved you? Why has he brought you here today? What is his purpose? If God's only purpose is that we would come to know him and be saved, then as soon as we come to know him, he should take us up to heaven. But he hasn't done that. We're here right now. Why? What are we doing? Now, some of us may say, well, I'm just biding my time till I get to heaven. I'm just waiting. It's coming someday. I'm waiting until I get there. Okay? Some may say, well, he's nice and he's let me enjoy my time here. I can eat, drink, and be merry because I know that eternity is set there. But Paul has a different understanding of what our lives are to look like. He calls us for lives of good works. And here's the verse that everyone who was a part of VBS or listened to the theme song two times now knows, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for 
good works, for the purpose of good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The result of that salvation, of being saved by grace, is that we live a life of good works, that we live for God. And Scripture also speaks about how if we don't see those good works evident in our lives, then that's a sign that that salvation might not be there. Because those good works are a consequence. They're an evidence of salvation. They're the proof of it. Works are important, but we have to understand them in this place. They are the evidence of God's grace, not what we do to earn his favor. The Bible talks about this a lot. Jesus speaks about it in John 15, 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is how God is praised. We live for him. Our lives reflect him, show others, and prove that we are his disciples, his followers. Paul writes about it in the book of Titus. He speaks about what Jesus has done. He says, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Why? So he could redeem us save us, purchase us away from all lawlessness. And he saved us to purify for himself a people for his own possession. We belong to him. But something's changed in us. What are we like now? It says these people are zealous for good works. They are passionate about serving God. Again, we have to get this process right in our minds. God gives us grace. We respond to it, receive it by faith, and that leads to a life of good works. This has been the belief, the teaching of those who trust in God's word through the generations. I emphasize it is our faith alone that justifies us and makes us right with God. But that faith that justifies us can never be alone. Our good works prove that our faith is genuine. And this passage we're looking at makes it clear that we're modeling our creator in this regard. We're modeling what he is like because it says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for these good works. We're God's workmanship. We are his work of art that he has created for a purpose. He is the potter. We are the clay. And that means every single person, yes, has value when they're created. But it also means that if we know God, he does even more work in us. Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. If we know Christ, he continues that work of molding us and shaping us into who he wants us to be. And part of that new creation means we become involved in his work, his ministry. We want to serve him and his purposes. Now, just because we do those works or ministry or serve, it doesn't mean that we take pride in ourselves. No, it's all still pointing to God's grace. He's the one who's made me like this so I can serve him. We tell others the good work I do is only because the work he has done for me and he gets the praise. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 5, 16. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Let them see what you're doing so that they may see your good works, they may see what you do, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
Not see your good works and say, wow, great job, but say, wow, someone has changed you. Someone is doing something in your life. Jesus, Paul, they are sharing with us that true faith is living and active. It leads to the result of works, of good works. They become our desire. We want to serve God. So let me be clear about it. If you are a genuine follower of Christ, if you say, yes, I believe, I trust in Jesus, and you are alive, you're physically alive right now, whether you're in this room or watching this video, then you have a purpose. And that purpose is to serve God, to bring Him glory and praise. One of the best ways we can do that is by serving, connecting with other believers. That's, that's why we gather together as a local church, so we can encourage one another to serve God. We join together to help one another serve our Lord out of gratitude for what He has done. And we talk about this a lot because this is our purpose, is serving God with one another. So I would encourage you, if you haven't found a local church to connect with, uh, this is a great one. The, the, there are other places you could as well, but I'd encourage you to connect with the church so you can support one another in your good works. But let's say you're here. I'm, I'm a part, I've decided to connect here with, with this group. Then let me ask, how are you serving? How are you practicing those good works that Paul talks about that God has created us for? You may say, well, I'm not. And I would ask why. Laziness, apathy is not an excuse. Neither is youth or old age. Maybe serving looks different, but we can still serve our Lord. We're never too young or too old. Maybe you say, well, I'm too busy. And if, if I may step on toes, may I ask, too busy with what? What we're talking about is God's purpose for us. We're, we're created for His eternal purposes. What is it that you've allowed to come in between you and God's purpose for your life? I would challenge you to invest in works of eternal value. If you are a believer in Jesus, you claim that, then you need to make the choice to pursue works and actions that honor your heavenly Father. Because our text tells us that God already has a plan in this. Yes, we passionately pursue serving good works, but knowing that God has already prepared these works for us in advance. He's in control of the whole process. He's prepared or predestined, planned ahead these works for us. Again, our passage says we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for these good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We're following, walking in His glorious purpose for our lives. We once walked in and followed sin, but now we pursue this purpose of living for Him. There's something really interesting that's happening in chapter 2. We didn't read the whole section here, but if we back up to the very beginning of chapter 2, we're going to see how he talks about how we live, comparing that to verse 10. And here I'm going to go over to the English Standard Version. Verses 1 and 2 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You once walked, lived in these trespasses and sins, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, following the spirit now at work in the sons of disobedience. You walked in disobedience, rebellion to God. But then look at verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Even if you use the sea as be prepared ahead of time for us to do these things, to walk in these things, to act in these things. Now, because we know Jesus, our life, our lives have changed. This has been the testimony of God's people throughout the history of the church. God has worked in their lives to change them. One man who jumped to my mind as I was thinking about this was John Newton. So John Newton, in his early life, he was in the sailing business, and he worked his way up to become captain of a ship. Now, his cargo at that time, was a couple hundred years ago, was slaves. He carried slaves from Africa over to the New World, made a lot of money in it, but then he realized that, you know, this is not the way my life should be going. This is not honor God. He came to know Christ. He left that life. Eventually, he became a Christian pastor. And we probably know him most nowadays because he wrote one of the most famous hymns, Amazing Grace. And this is what he said about his life. He said, yet though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say I am not what I once was. Uh, Someone who carried slaves? No, he called himself a slave. I was a slave to sin and to Satan. And he says, I can heartily join with the Apostle Paul and acknowledged by the grace of God, I am what I am. His life had been changed, and now he lived for God. And this is the relationship between good works and salvation. We're saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. God has given us grace. We, through faith, receive that grace, what he has done. We're not saved by our good works. We don't earn our way to God. We're saved by his grace. We respond by faith. But after that happens, something changes, and now we are saved for good works so that we live for Him. And let me ask you, does your life evidence that distinction? Do you understand that relationship between what we do and what God has done? Perhaps you're confused about it, and you still think, well, if I just do these right things, then God will be happy with me. Then He'll be pleased with me, or then I'll know Him, or then things will work out for me. If I do the right things. No, my friend, you can't do enough to make God happy with you. You need to trust in someone who has done it for you. If that's you, I'd I'd encourage you to call out to him to say, God, I'm turning from sin and I want to believe and trust in you. Receive your salvation. But if you have done that, if you say, yes, my life is about Christ, then are you doing good works? Are you living for Him? Is your life about serving Him, honoring your heavenly Father, the one who is worthy of so much praise? If not, then maybe you need to pray to God, call to Him, say, God, I, I, I believe that you have saved me. Would you please make my life about honoring you, living for you, and not for myself? I, I turn away from the, the way I've been doing things, and God, I want to live for you first and foremost. Friends, let me ask you to think about that question uh, silently for a moment as the worship team comes up, and then we'll respond in worship through song.